Friday, Mike. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here. Nice to be with you. Today, New Zealand has recorded its first case of a new Omicron subvariant. There is a call to return to some kind of alert level system. Mm, that just after four. And first, it's food prices and now gas and electricity. Some pretty steep prices, price rises coming our way and some equally steep profit-making. Is it fair? And it's e-waste day today. Dumping e-waste is illegal in many countries, including much of Australia. Not here, though. We'll talk about that. And full stops. Do you use full stops in emails and texts? Millennials and Gen Zers are using full stops less. They find them aggressive. Guess what? (laughs) I agree. I don't like full stops. I've never liked them, so I don't use them. What about you? Text me without full stops. 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me, and you heard just there, Julia Hartley-Moore, founder of private investigation firm Julia Hartley-Moore Limited. Kia ora, Julia. Kia ora, Waras. Good to have you here. And uh, he's waylaid, but he will be, I understand, with us a little bit later, Chris Wikaida, who is a, a former journalist and media and uh, communications expert. But dipping into the Friday mailbag first up, uh, we had a big response across the week, so let's jump straight in. Um, World, Pet Obesity Day, World Pet Obesity Day yesterday, and yes, there is a day for everything, but it does highlight the issue that we are loving our pets to death. Richard says, Hi Willis, as a vet of 40 years, now retired, I've seen cats and dogs get fatter and fatter. One of the reasons for this, in my opinion, is the increasing feeding of dry foods. Dry food is 80% dry matter, 20% water, whereas canned food is 20% dry matter. So when you give tiddles the same amount of biscuits as you would tinned cat food, you're actually feeding four times as much. So uh, not quite sure about that, but um, we are in danger of loving our pets to death. Julia, I'm not quite sure what you have at home. Well, I have two. I Now I lost one. I had three dogs and my little soggy, he died. He was 13. Um, none of them were overweight and, and it's because one of them has pancreatitis, so I have to make her food every single week and I have done now for five years. Um, but anyway, she's worth it. And and the other one um, is such a picky eater, so I don't have any problems with my puppies being overweight. Okay, so that's that's settled. And Sue Kettley said the Women's Rugby World Cup should be broadcast live on our public broadcaster, and that would be a way of public broadcasting, a way of decent public broadcasting. And quite a bit of response to this. BM says, I completely agree with your panellists about the rugby. Apparently there's an issue with teenagers and female teenagers in particular giving up sport. I propose that the inaccessibility of being able to watch it freely and conveniently is a reason for this. It's ridiculous how you can't watch sport unless you can afford to pay for it. Same for playing. It's hugely important to the mental health system and yet so inaccessible. Lindsay and Cromwell said, I agree, Sue. Shame the whole of NZ can't see the women's rugby, especially since not being played anywhere else except Auckland and Northland. And Barry says, could you please tell Sue that it was the New Zealand Rugby Union that sold the broadcast rights to Spark? This action took away the opportunity for TVNZ to broadcast the tournament on the free-to-air channel. But uh, as we understand, uh, there are some matches that are deferred on uh, on free-to-air TV there. 
And a big marine report out yesterday. None of it good news. Water's getting murkier, getting more acidic, getting water warmer, Kaimawana threatened. Dr. Gwen Stewart says, My observation of 50 years working on coastal conservation in the top of the south is that conservation and restoration is mostly done by volunteer groups. The extractive industries, such as fisheries and aquaculture, continue to do such things which degrade and extract from the sea, believing that the sea can recover for anything we do to it, such as bottom dredging and trawling. And I made the point yesterday, Julia, how attached and how um, it's part of who we are the marine coastal environment, totally. and it is so important to uh, protect that. And I know that you that you, it would resonate with you living out near Maritime, mm, mm, mm. which because is a beautiful part of the uh, coastline. And it's it's beautiful. It's lovely to see such beautiful clear water, absolutely crystal clear water. On a nice. Well, you're lucky. Yeah, I know. I I realise that. Um, but you know, as a country, we're we're surrounded. It's so important to us because yeah. we're surrounded by it. Also, we, I mean, somehow the issue of uh, the recalling when there were no seatbelts and cars became quite the topic on the panel, big response. Alan in Cambridge says, Wallace, not only were seatbelts not compulsory 50 plus years ago, but motorbike helmets were not required for around town running. However, cars were not as powerful as a rule, and so driving was less risky. Open road speeds were compulsorily lower, and we were taught defensive driving, says Alan. Uh, Robert says, I grew up without seatbelts. I think they started in the 70s. My mother's car was an Austin Cambridge without belts. I was a teenager and fitted new belts. They were pretty flash, diagonal belts and lap belts. But I put the top bolt too low, and my mum did not like using seatbelts. But... One day, she was driving on the Wellington motorway and decided to put it on. She was cut off by someone changing lanes. She lost control. She rolled and flipped the car. And that belt saved her life. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just trying to think, when you said 50 years, is that how long it's been since they became compulsory? Wow. Can you recall the days when they weren't compulsory? I actually can't. I, I don't think I can, um, and I've been dr- driving since I was 18, but yeah. um, I just... It's hard to think of them without them, eh? It, totally, but you know, you, I don't know, you just it's just so automatic, you never even think of it, do you, putting yeah. your belt on? Mm. Uh, another one here, uh, Wallace, I got my driving licence in 1968, seatbelts in Little Morris... 1100 and continued wearing seatbelts right to now, but was in England in the late 70s in a friend's Triumph Herald. No seatbelts hearing around country lanes in Dorset. It was scary as hell. The driver's view was that it was very un-British to have compulsory seatbelts. How uh, about that? Uh, and this was from two weeks back, but I just had to read. I just had to read some of this um, about the fact that. Um, there were x-rays in shoe shops. We had more response on this than actually most of anything in the two weeks. Oh, so, um, during my training in radiography in the 70s, our tutor told us, to our horror, that it was common for children to have their feet x-rayed at shoe stores. Uh, another one here. The shoe shop x-rays you mentioned were called fluoroscopes and were a novelty to help promote precise customer fittings. Our elderly neighbour told me she experienced one while heavily pregnant. Uh, No one at the time was aware of the dangers of prolonged exposure to alpha 
and beat it. Look at your face. Well, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I worked in a shoe shop when, when I was a kid, and I'm thinking, when did this happen? Crikey. I heard it. I, I thought it was some sort of tale uh, that people say. And then I got all these, all these texts saying it was a thing. Wallace, says Francis, um, I'm in my 70s. I can remember having my feet x-rayed for shoes when I was a child. I think it was Clark's Shoe Store. Wow. In Cuba Street. You slid your foot into a machine on the floor and the shop assistant peered at it and came up with the correct shoe size. I'm still here, two fully functioning feet. Uh, another one here. I'm 80. I clearly remember my mum taking me to the shoe department of the Hawke's Bay Farmer's Store in Hastings to get my shoes fitted uh, and they had an x-ray machine to ensure a good fit. Well, I don't remember them. when I worked at Hannah's back yeah. in the day when I was actually 14. And um, I don't remember them. Okay. Uh, Wallace, having a look at shoe-fitting fluoroscopes on the internet, and yes, apparently they were as dangerous as you can imagine, especially for the staff of the shoe stores with the repeat exposure and often putting their own hands into the machine while it was running. Uh, very good. Thank you so much for all your correspondence. By the way, a lot coming through about um, uh, whether you agree with me and you do not you like using full stops because you, they're aggressive. Uh, Sue says, Wallace, of course you use full stops. See, full stop. <laughs> Love the program. Full stop. Sue, full stop. You're all right. Yeah, full stop, Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, Chris Wikaida hopefully is going to be joining us uh, after four sometime anyway. Anyway, uh, Julia Hartley-Moore, I've been thinking. Well, I have been thinking. Um, is it is it good? Is it good? Is it a blessing or a curse to be busy when you're older? That's what I've been thinking because I hear a lot of people, because I spend my days on the phone, and a lot of my clients will ring up and they'll tell me, you know, about their life and how terrible things are now that they're older. And when I ask some of them how what is older, some of them are only in their 50s. And then I've got ones that say they're having to put their mum into a retirement village and all the rest of it because now she's elderly. And I ask how old mum is, and she's 68. Well, I'm 68, Wallace, nearly 69. And I am busier than I've ever been. And I just think there's something good about being busy. It keeps your brain going. It keeps you looking forward. It keeps you optimistic about things. It's a, I think busy, busy is a blessing. So um, we, 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 we have negative connotations around age. busyness, don't we, at the and, time? And especially and age. age. You know, I mean, the times I've been asked by people, doctors, etc., like, when, Julia, say, when do you think you, you know, you're going to retire soon? And I think, what, what? Why would I? Isn't that for old people? I mean, I don't get it. This, but we're a very ageist kind of a country. Do you think we are? Yeah, I do. I really do. Um, you know, there's things when a woman gets to my age that they don't have to any ch- to check anymore. That's it. They say, well, I'll take you off the register for that now, Julie. And I think, what do you mean? Does that mean I go in a box? Keep and they, me on. You know, I, but that's what it – so you get to a certain age and that's it. But do you I don't agree, buy, I listeners, don't, do you agree with Julia? Are we ageist I don't as a nation? It. Yeah. Are we ageist? 2101. Yeah. I don't buy into it myself, but I think, boy, I listen to a lot of people that think, you know, we are. Really interesting. Yeah. Kia ora, Julia. That's Julia Hartley Moore there on the panel. RNZ National. Well, big response about full stops uh, and uh, seatbelts and other things. Uh, lovely to be with you. I'm Wallace Chapman with you till 5pm this afternoon. Friday afternoon, Power Ballad Friday today.